Thank you very much, Chris. If you're a visitor among us or if you haven't been around for a wee while, we've been going through John for an entire year. I think we started it a year ago, maybe this Sunday. And we've come to the end of John and we're moving into another series. So today's sermon is basically taking us out of John and into where I want to go over the course of the next couple of months. Let me take us out of John first. I have loved John. I would like to, as in the West Wing, when I watch the Seven series, go back and start all over again and go through it another time. If you remember back to when I started it, N.T. Wright was in my mind when God became king. Four things he said that are in the Gospels or the Gospels are about. The story of Israel, continuing in the story of Israel in the Gospels. That Jesus is the story of Israel's God. That Jesus in the Gospels launches God's renewed people. And this clash of the kingdoms that happens between the kingdom of God and the empires, whatever they are, of each generation. And we've seen that. We watched how John's meticulous editorial had shown us, particularly through the, the whole idea of Passover and sacrament, how this is the story of Israel continuing. We saw that Jesus is the word made flesh. We saw that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We saw that Jesus was the shepherd. We saw that Jesus had come amongst us to be the fulfillment of Israel's God. And then the launch of God's new kingdom. If we continue to be attached to the vine, if we're members of this flock, God is renewing his people. And then the clash of kingdoms where Jesus himself would take on Pilate, take on the religious and bring in the kingdom of God. We saw all these amazing things, rebirth, life in all its fullness. And we came to that conclusion that was this, that God had renewed his people, that God had come to set up this new people. And a motley crew of people they were as we looked at Peter and Thomas and some of the disciples. But we saw that he in the end said to them, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. What was he sending them to do? Well, if we go back to that John 15 um, chapter that I think uh, uh, Jonathan got, we hear Jesus saying this about this renewed people of God. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's a renewing of the people of God in this. 
There's the source of who the people of God are in Christ and being part of the vine. And there's this sending as disciples to bear fruit. We are called to go and bear fruit. And that's what we're going to get to over these next few months. Over the course of the summer, and I've been dabbling with this for a couple of years. But over the course of the summer, I went back to this idea from uh, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity which is about where our front lines are and how to prepare us or make us into those people, mold us into those people that can make an impact on the front lines. And so Mark Green has written a new book, Fruitfulness on the Front Lines. Fruitfulness on the Front Lines. And we're going to look at that over the course of the next while and we're going to see how can we, what is our front line, which we're going to ask today, and how we can be as a congregation more fruitful wherever our front lines are and there are many front lines in this congregation but within each one of us in the lives that we live I guess in some ways pastorally what I'm thinking is that the next year is going to be an interesting year already we've seen the change of where the children are going and that's going to cause some change to our lives We're not going to have the buildings that we normally have behind us and we're going to be put in different kinds of places. And maybe it's a time, maybe it's a time, and I'll bring this to session on Thursday night, but let me preempt it with all of you. Maybe it's a time for us to take a breath. Maybe it's a time for us to say, what we've been doing in these last five years has been uh, quite manic, program-wise, last year with Fitzroy 200 and all the different things we're involved with. We'll not stop the projects, but let's maybe just see the opportunity to take a breathe, to take a breath, to breathe in, and to get ready for this week next year, which I am warning you now is going to be bonkers. Because this week next year, we will open our halls, not just with some celebratory service that we will have that it's done, but with a message on the front line of where we are to the city and this neighborhood and the people around us that this is a new impetus to what we're doing to witness for Christ in Fitzroy. So maybe it's time just to not go bunkers. If there's things we can't do because the buildings are out, let's not worry about that. But here's what I would like us to do as we take breath prepare ourselves in the depths of who we are to be ready for what's next. For this year to take an opportunity to look deep into the fault lines that we talked about in the last few weeks and get ready for the new impetus of front line. Maybe it's a year to go deeper within our own lives rather than to do some of the manic stuff that we do that is very important. So where are our front lines? Well, Chris has just read an amazing story of somebody on her front line. What's your front line? Mark Green opened this story up to me this week. I'm not sure that as I get through Mark's chapters in fruitfulness um, uh, on the front line that I'll stay meticulously to everything Mark says, but there are DVDs. And there are worksheets, and if you want to do it in your home groups, that would be very, very possible to do. But this story really grabbed my attention, because I'm aware on a Sunday morning of who's here. You're not aware of who I see and what I see as I look out. 
As I look out, I see all of your lives and where you might be tomorrow and what you do with yourselves in the week that's ahead. I see those who get married next Saturday. I see those who start new jobs this week. I see those who are maybe struggling with something. I see those that are just out of hospital or those who might be thinking about hospital. And I see where all your places are. And honestly, quite honestly, I have that compartment that as I preach, I am thinking that in the other compartment. And I know that some of you tomorrow are saying, well, it's not the greatest place that I am at this moment in time. I'm not dying about getting in on Monday. I'm not sure about work. It's not fair in there. I'm not getting the promotion I maybe should want to get, or I'm just struggling with the staff around me, or maybe it's just hard at the minute because we're going through a tough time, or maybe actually this is not my vacation and I'm not sure this is where I want to be. Many of those thoughts might be in our minds as we think about Monday morning. The heroine, the saint, God's prophet, God's ambassador, God's resource in the story we've just heard, I'm using all those titles because we have no idea what she was called. She doesn't even get a name. She was maybe 13. Some of her 13-year-olds don't want to be in the front line of being in church buildings or maybe certainly don't want to go to school tomorrow. Here's a 13-year-old that had been taken captive. An army had come to her city, her town, and just taken her away and put her in some other family of this guy who seems to have some power. We don't know her name. She's away from her family. She's away from home. She's a slave girl in a foreign culture. This girl has every reason to say, I really don't want to get up for nine o'clock on a Monday morning. She's in the wrong place. This is not the front line she would have chosen. I don't even know what it would have been like to be a slave taken away in this generation that's happening most days on our news, never mind over 800 years before Christ. But that's who it is. That's who she is. So she hears against all this and these enemies that have come and taken her away that the master has got leprosy. How would you respond to that? Yes, Lord. Well done, Lord. Great way to take him down. Thinks he can come into the people of God and take away me from my family and go, that's just what he deserves. Justice is coming in the light of God. Is that how you might respond? Not so this 13-year-old that we don't know what her name is. No, 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 no. This is her front line. She's going to change the world. Could she ever have imagined that all these years later we'd be talking about her here? She goes and says, and I love this. When I was doing this at CSSM, I had to do this one year on the beach at CSSM. Godfrey Brown had given me this one. I loved it because I had 19 years of this old mantra. Children should be seen and not heard. It's a lovely wee thought, isn't it? Children should be seen and not heard. Did you hear that as you were growing up? I did. Have you said that to those growing up around you? Not sure I have, but probably some implication of it. How incredibly unbiblical. 
a phrase like that would be when you read this story. Here's a child that should be seen and not heard. Here's a female that should be seen and not heard. Here's a female slave that should be seen and not heard. She's going to get heard in the very ordinary ways. I don't know how she would have done it, but she just says, listen, there's a cure for this leprosy. There's a cure for this leprosy. Because the God that I come from is a God that can deal with this leprosy. And if we hear the story, ordinary girl shares her faith, changes lives. Her faith. Her faith. I wonder when we're on the wrong front line, does her faith somehow crumble at times? Where's God now? Why did he put me here? Not so this girl. Her faith is, I think there's an answer to this. And the answer to this is in what I believe and in who I believe in. Then the grace. The grace to go to the one who captured you and took you away from your family and put you in this situation. I'm going to graciously reach out to this person and try to do something to make them better. The courage to be able to do it too. And what this young girl whose name we don't know finds is the ordinary redemption comes in ordinary actions very few of you and me are in worse situations than this girl was our front line needs faith and grace and courage but it's there where is your front line is it in your family? Is it on your street? Is it where you work tomorrow? Or those of us who don't work where we go tomorrow? I include it myself and those who don't work there. I hope you, you noticed that. Is it among our friends? Is it some organization we're involved in? Is it in church in Fitzroy or the church you belong to? Is it inside the church and some of the stuff you're involved with in leadership or volunteering? Or is it in this community? Or is it across this city? Where are the places that are our front lines? Because what you see as you read through this story is that the amazing thing about the story is that it's not the powerful that make the, the difference. In fact, the powerful in the story is going, I can't do anything about this. What am I going to do? It's a young girl and a prophet. And they want the spectacular and they don't get the spectacular. Naaman has to humble himself and not get the spectacular. And not get it the way he wants it to happen. But it's just people living their call for God. Where they are. With faith. With grace. And with courage. In the everyday ordinary. Who are those who we think about in front lines that have changed things. I read this week that Rosa Parks sat in a bus so that Dr. King could walk so that Barack Obama could run. She was just coming home from work. She was a nobody. But she sat down in that part of the bus, her front line, to make her ordinary statement that we still talk about today. For me in the summer, the story of the summer that really, really, in fact, I went, oh my word, I, something like that when it happened was our new Lord Mayor. Now, bless Nicola, but you don't follow marching easily. 
And everybody was saying, oh, who's going to be next? Dear love, who's going to be next? How are they going to follow marching? Summer madness. Sunday night. Four politicians on a stage. One of them, our Lord Mayor. She's young. She's better looking than marching. You can tell him that, Tom. Um, she's very young. This young girl gets up on the stage at Summer Madness. And Jasper Rutherford that runs Summer Madness is walking across these politicians. And he says to uh, Nicola, he says to Nicola Mallon, Lord Mayor of Belfast, when you heard you were going to be Lord Mayor, what did you think? And she says, my first thought, Jasper, was, God, I don't want to let you down. Wow. So they talked to all these other politicians, some of who could wax very lyric, lyrical, evangelical speak. But they come back, what do you want us to pray for? Jasper, could the young people just pray that I don't let God down? On our front line, first priority, faith, grace, courage. And then I want to go to, I've said it before and I'll say it again and again because I'm inspired by this woman all the time. My missionary who made most impact on my life and maybe the impact of many people was a woman in Antrim who lived next door to the church. My first visit, John Dixon thought, make it easy, send him in there. And then I went to minister. Because you're out of Union College and you think you're going to minister. And I sat down there and this woman just told me what ministry was about. She got out her photograph albums and she took me through every young person in the congregation and showed me their face and not only what they were doing but where they were that day. Said she was praying for them regularly and she knew them all by name and she knew all what they were about. She never moved probably from Fountain Street in Antrim. But my word, she made some serious impact across the front lines of the world. So you'd be sitting in one of those testimony nights in First Antrim, and somebody would get up and they would say, well, I was walking down Fountain Street one day and I came to the church, this is a true story, I came to the church gates and I looked up and there were people going in and it was the middle of the day and I didn't know why people were going in. And then this woman said to me, would you like to come in? It's our convention week. And I thought, Nobody's spoken to me in the street ever. And so I went in. And everything changed in that person's life. She never moved from next door, but Hannah McDowell changed countless lives by just having faith, grace, and a little bit of courage just to say to the person looking down into the church, would you like to come in? Very ordinary, with extraordinary results. So where is our front line is the question I want to ask us right now. And I want us to consider that and I want us to pray about that. And I want us to ask ourselves, where can we use faith and courage and grace tomorrow morning, this afternoon, even here and now, if this is a front line. And over the course of the next while, we'll unpack six models, six M's. And I'm not sure that they're just, some of them are a little contrived and not very well contrived, I think, in Mark's um, book. We're going to look at how we model godly character. Very important if we're going to be full of faith and grace and courage in the front line. We're going to then ask ourselves, 
What makes good work where we are? What is the role we have tomorrow in the action of our work or our volunteering or of our caring or of our leisure? What can we make an impact on there? We're going to look at how we minister grace and love to everyone around us. We're going to look at how we mold the culture around us. We're going to look at what it is to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice in our world. And we're going to see what being a messenger of the gospel looks like in 2014. We're going to take these six ideas and we're going to put them together in our lives. And we're going to get ourselves where we're not going to be spectacular. Because the spectacular people in the story didn't make much impression. We're going to try and be just unknown teenage slaves who have the courage and the grace and the faith to say something on their front line that might bring the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes as we go into work, we feel it's something we have to do to get paid to pay the rent. Help us to have the eyes of our hearts opened to the front lines for fruitfulness for Christ that we're involved in every day. The person that we might need to just speak to. The way we go about doing our work. The standing up for truth and justice. The messengers of the good news that Jesus loves. Help us to see how important each one of us in this church is to you bringing your kingdom on earth. Where we'll be later today, where we'll be tomorrow, where we'll be this week. You longing for fruitfulness in all those front lines. Help us to be alert to it. Last Sunday night, we prayed that we would be as alert as the young people at SISMs or beach missions or scripture union camps or overseas with Safara, wherever else. As we go away to do those intense weeks, we pray every morning for opportunities to serve you. And yet tomorrow morning, front lines open up for all of us. May we be alert. May we be conscious of what it is you want us to be. Maybe even in a place that we don't want to be, you can still use us. Our faith, our grace, and our courage that in very ordinary ways, we can change the world. Let it be so, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.